Welcome to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I'm in conversation with a New Jersey-based artist specializing in contemporary art. She creates acrylic paintings with a focus on social impact for cultural thought leaders. Please welcome Jaslyn Sabri. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on and, um, and, and being part of this, uh, this series. Um, so I want to start off real, like, kind of introductory. It's, it's a way to warm up. You know, you go to the gym, you stretch, you don't just go with the heavy lifting and all of that. So I want to start off with uh, kind of a softball question. Can you tell us about your background, the, the Jaslyn Sabri story? Um, Where did you grow <laughs> up? Things of that nature. Yeah, for sure. So um, I grew up in a small town in New Jersey called Willenboro, New Jersey. Um, and I always say that Willingboro is an extremely unique um, town because it is a majority Black suburb. Um, and I haven't really found too many of those um, that are similar. <laughs> and so um, that actually um, kind of really is the, I guess, starting fuel behind what I do. Um, we had access to a lot of Black educators and um, just some community programming that really um, strengthened my cultural awareness. Um, from there, I attended Clark Atlanta University, which is an HBCU in Atlanta, Georgia, where I studied art. Um, I did get caught up in the stigma of the, you know, the starving artist trope. Um, and I was convinced to switch my major to uh, journalism. And I found myself extremely depressed. <laughs> And so um, I did end up changing my major back to art. Um, once I did that, I studied abroad in Florence, Italy, um, where I picked up painting. Um, and then I came home and I graduated, um, immediately jumped into a studio space here in Burlington City, New Jersey. Yeah. Um, and from there, I uh, had an interest in teaching, at which point I... Uh, returned to Boston University for my master's in art education. Um, and so, yeah, so today I'm, like uh, Rob said, painting these acrylic paintings uh, with social justice themes um, to just really um, start up some important and powerful conversations um, around some of the issues that we're facing in society. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us. And I think um, having, you know, that that kind of arc of and, and it really stuck with me what you said early on of, you know, the the starvest, the starving artist trope. Uh, I remember when I was younger, I wanted to go into I wanted to be a comic book uh, writer and an astronaut. Those, those oh, things wow. don't, don't go together at all. <laughs> and uh, then I had some ideas. I was going to be an engineer, then eventually settled on like business. And those latter two were, um, you know, just people being involved. But I always, yeah. you know, like family and, you know, so on. And but I always had a creative slant to, to what I did and how I approached it. And, you know, for me. Uh, the astronaut thing was looking at the world from a different perspective. Yeah. I think photographers do that. Painters do that. Things of that nature. And, yeah. um, I, I think engineers are like problem solvers. And I think you're able to flex that creativity there. So it always was kind of bringing me back to really what I wanted to was to cr this creative thing. And I think the business side, they, those things kind of go together, but it's important, you know, when you see it to identify it early, like, 
now nah, I'm going to go back to this. This this journalism yeah. thing wasn't going to be for me for the long term. So let's go back to art and be able to like have many things branch. It's almost like choose your own adventure. And so many other things can branch off of it. Yeah, for sure. So can you tell us about your, your a bit more about your work as, you know, social impact, social justice and things that are really like top of mind, especially in the last few years, as more and more attention has been been focused on that in a very public sort of way. Uh, but people have been doing the work for a long time. And yes. um, so could you tell us more about your work and what are the main ideas that you're expressing in your work? Yeah. So, um, hmm. That's loaded. <laughs> um, Please. So I guess, yeah, I guess what I would say is in the last, um, in, a, in the last, I'd say, three or four years, um, my work has kind of been going in this direction. Um, I've always been interested in, you know, politics and just um, social justice in general. Um, I just feel like I have such foundations in that um with growing up and with my dad being, um, you know, impacted by the social justice system and um, my brother, you know, fitting the description several times. Um, And so I just always had a passion for social justice. And I think what really um, kicked it into high gear in my artwork um, was the Black Lives Matter protests that started with the murder of George Floyd. Um, I just felt like I really need to um, speak out about all of these things that are impacting the Black community, um, not just police brutality, but, you know, um, racism, stereotyping, uh, mental health, um, you know, education, and just the myriad of things. Um, And so my first series that came out of that movement was the Melanin series, Um, where I created a series of magazine covers um, that really highlights more of the um, more of the serious and critical issues that are facing the black community today that I feel like the magazines that we already have don't always so readily address. Um, And so some of the topics that I addressed there were like finances and financial literacy, um, mental health, Um, you know, police brutality, um, Black fatherhood, um, and just, you know, uh, Black education. So many different themes came out of that, um, which was really exciting. Um, And then currently, I'm working on uh, my band book series, where I'm kind of uh, creating some dialogue around uh, what's happening in a lot of our Republican states um, who are, you know, banning books from their curriculum that are written by Black authors that really just tell the story of American history. So it just really raises some questions. Um, and when people see the work, they're just curious about, okay, what book is this? Why was it banned? Maybe I need to take a look and read this book and and kind of discover on my own why it may have been banned. Um, but it's just been really um, an, an enlightening process for me um, as well as all of those who see it. So that's what I'm working on right now. And I'm really excited about it. That's great. And that's great. And yeah. I want to, I want to have two observations. There is, it's kind of ironic, right? Where some of these folks who espouse the, you know, my freedoms, my, my rights and all of that stuff, yeah. you know, first amendment is freedom of speech, but then they want to ban books. 
It's interesting. Exactly. It's interesting yeah. how that works. And I think with that, we naturally, you know, it, it's a curiosity there. Like, why is this bad? Let me check into this. And I think that that's really, really cool because I, I, I noticed this a few months back, Juneteenth, where, you know, watching CNN, I was like, did they just rebrand freedom? I was like, these aren't the colors of the Juneteenth flag at all. These are like Pan-African right. colors. It's like, who organized this? You know, I just started having just questions. And I was like, who's involved here? And yeah. I think being able to have that dialogue, especially about things that are near and dear in, in, in a part of our like culture, it's important for us to kind of continue that, whether it be through the oral tradition, whether it be through painting, through art, to kind of keep it going. Because I think when other people get their hands on it who aren't necessarily considerate of the history around it in the background and all suddenly then it's rebranded and it shifted to a different narrative and a different conversation, yes. you know, and this is, this is going to sound wild, but it's almost like your people of color it before you black it, you know, it's like, this is a black right. thing and it's not to take away for people of color, but it's, you know, it's like, how can we make all of these things one so we can do the least amount of effort? Exactly. Yes. So I get loaded too. I get a little loaded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's definitely heavy work. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, could you walk us through your process a little bit? And um, and when you're when you're taking on a, a project, um, whether it is you're going to like look at like, do I want to do this? How do I want to go about this? Could you break down a process in terms of like what's something you're doing in the beginning, what's something you're doing towards the middle, and how do you know as a painter when you're done? Because I you know I hear that thing that painters aren't really finished; they just kind of stop painting. Right. That's true. <laughs> um, so. I think that for me, um, the process always begins with just um, a deep state of reflection. Mm. Um, I've like in the in the past couple of months, I've kind of scaled down my um, my work outside of my studio in order to just create more time and space for daydreaming and just relaxation and allowing my mind to get to a place where it's just comfortable to to just think and explore um, and just kind of ideate. And so um, it always starts there. I'm just thinking about, you know, my life experiences, um, thinking about things that are happening in the community um, and also getting out in the community and making time to actually be involved in certain initiatives like the NAACP, um, the Lupus Foundation of America, and just um, different community organizations um, to just really kind of add a little bit of depth and a, and a little bit of, um, you know, making it personal. Um, so it starts there. And then at that point, um, I kind of settle on the idea that speaks to me most in this moment. Um, and from there, I kind of begin to um, research and find out all that I can know about, you know, whatever this issue is. Like, for example, with the banned books, there were some banned books that I know readily off of the top of my head um, that have been banned, like Their Eyes Were Watching God um, or, you know, um, To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, and so those come really readily. But once you start doing the research, you start to see the myriad of books by Black authors that have been banned 
Um, and sometimes they try to spin it as, you know, be- it's because of the language or this or that. But some of them have outright been banned because they don't want to have conversations mm-hmm. about critical race theory. And I like to call it simply American history. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I just do a ton of research um, and I really try to um, create a lot of depth and what I'm about to put out into the world. Um, and then from there, I uh, gather all of my resources and my references. And so um, I'll like send out calls to my family members or to friends, to my students sometimes when I was teaching um, um, for photographs of, you know, you know, whatever poses that I need, um, you know, whatever kind of setting I need, I'll ask them for photographs and they'll send those to me. And then I will choose from those and get to work. So um, it's kind of a lengthy process, but (laughs) but it definitely adds a lot of um, meaning to the work. um, And it really um, it makes it a really fulfilling process for me as the artist to to try to go so deep. No, thank you. Thank you for for really, really breaking that down for us, because, um, yeah, I think one of the things that's really important and and I've recognized in these conversations is not only to understand the process, but understand the the thinking behind the process, what's baked in, what's, you know, underlaid within that, because I think people will just think, oh, art, arts, art happens without right. understanding what is baked into it. And that even gets into like conversations around like price, you know, you'll have people will talk to, let's say, I hear this all the time with like self-taught artists and it's like, oh, you know, you'll have someone walk there and they're like, oh, well, I don't, I can do that. Why don't you do it? And exactly. not having any consideration of all the things that go into whether it be experiences, whether it be training, whether it be just the thinking, like people don't put enough time and energy around even considering what goes into something. Yes, exactly. So what do you enjoy most about being a painter? What do I enjoy most about being a painter? Hmm. There's so many things. <laughs> um for me, I honestly feel that, um, you know, the art is just a really important factor in my own personal healing. Um, you know, I don't think I could really put it any other way. Like, I feel like um, just with all that we go through as Black people and all that our ancestors have been through, um, to the point of just generational trauma and um, even changes to our DNA. Like it goes so deep. Um, And I think just being able to um, research so many topics and um, communicate about it through the art, like even if no one ever saw it, I'd still do that because it's just such a process of release. and also of connecting, right, with where we came from and a lot of these um, historical facts and lessons that we have never been taught. Mm-hmm. You know, today I was I was reading the next book I'm going to be painting about um, called The 1619 Project. And I learned that the African slaves in the 1700s were running away from their plantations and joining the British military oh, during wow. the American Revolutionary War. I had no idea. 
Right. None. And so it's just, um, I think it, my joy really lives a lot in the research. Um, huh. Like I've, I've joined Ancestry.com and I've just been digging in and, and the joy is really there because I feel like I am connecting to my ancestors and I'm really kind of um, living out their experiences in a very deep and meaningful way when you have to kind of absorb all of this and then come up with, you know, something that's beautiful, but also meaningful to communicate that and then also pass that knowledge on to others. So I'm getting chills talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So let's see. Uh, and, I, and I think you touched on this, but let's for the people in the back, that's the way I like to say it sometimes for the people <laughs> in the back as a creator, uh, what do you want to offer the community? Oh, so much. <laughs> um, I think I am a teacher at heart. Um, mm-hmm. and so, um, you know, I've just come from five years of teaching and in, in public school. Um, But I'm just truly, I've always been, and I think that's maybe why I also went to journalism and things like that, um, is because I'm just such a communicator. And um, one main thing that I want to offer is just this education, because like, I feel like I was privileged in a sense to grow up in Willingboro, you know, which I told you is a small black suburb. Um, Not too many people know about it. Um, you know, we're oftentimes left out of conversations involving the urban community, but like we're also still very black and face a lot of those same issues. Um, but I feel very privileged to have grown up here um, because we did have access to a lot of um, black educators. And, and when I went to college, I realized that that wasn't the case for a lot of my black peers, um, that a lot of them hadn't had many black educators, if any. Um, and so Um, I was privileged to take a class on, um, you know, true history of the world where um, my favorite teacher, Mr. Carey, he would teach us about, you know, history from start to finish. I mean, all the way back to, you know, Mesopotamia, you know, and then we learned about the Mayas and the Incas and the Olmecs and and just, um, you know, and then we we got into Mansa Musa and the Africans who came here first. And then it just we I le- it really opened up a world for me because I never learned, you know, world history in this form of death before. And that's probably what inspired me to go on to HBCU. Um, but knowing when I got there that there were so many of my peers who were in tears because they hadn't received some of the lessons that I had received when I was in high school, it really opened my eyes and showed me kind of my my own privilege of growing up in Willingboro. Um, and I just want to share that knowledge with, with the world, with the Black community and in a way that it's palatable and that they can kind of start to explore some of these things that, you know, may not be explored if you didn't grow up here or if you didn't go on to college. And if these, these things just weren't taught, they're not being taught. Right. Um, and so it's just really important to me to share the knowledge that I take on, um, with the community. Can I go on? No, please, please. (laughs) The second thing that I want to, um, really offer to the community is, um, an opportunity to invest in black art. I feel like, um, since, you know, I guess since our freedom, if I could say, um, a lot of the patrons of our own art and culture have been white institutions. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and even to this day, I find that a lot of, you know, the Black community doesn't know much about art. They don't really know much about collecting art. Um, and they don't really feel welcome in art spaces. Um, and that's actually something that I did my master's thesis about, is that a lot of our people, we grow up and there's just such a lack of inclusion in the art world. When you go to museums, it's very rare to find a work of art by a Black artist in general, let alone a Black female artist. It's less than 1%, you know? Um, And so I want to really kind of work to change that narrative. um, And through my art and through the education, just really kind of informing others about the investment opportunities that exist in investing in black art we like you said before we have to tell our own stories and we have to be the keepers of our own culture yeah and yeah. And, and then hearing you know because I've, I've had interviews with black curators and you know that's yeah. another area where it's like oh yeah that's like two of us you know you're like wow yeah. excuse me yeah. and you know it, but then it's there this desire and that's why it's important to have the thinking that's baked in because yeah you know I, I've I've had an interview, well, post interview because we we didn't record this, but it was still a prudent conversation around, you know, this uh, black photographer. He, he's like, you know, people love my work, you know, usually like white consumption, but at the same time, why does it have to be of these people? Like, well, yeah. that's what's baked into my work. That that's my, what my experience is. That's the lens I'm looking at it through. So yes, it, it's really interesting. Yeah, I've had that too. Like people who are like, well you know, maybe you can make it more palatable or they're like, well, why don't you paint any white people? And I'm just like, well, that's not what the work is about, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and all people in the world are welcome to collect my work, but my work is telling very specific stories. Um, yeah. And I also feel that um, I, I owe it to my history, I owe it to my ancestors to create work that is representational of them because white people, to be frank, have been doing that already for centuries. You know, they have a wealth of, you know, art that represents them where they can go into a museum and see their face in a painting. Um, And so it's easy for some people to say, oh, be more palatable, you know, maybe do something more abstract, you know, but I feel like as Black people, we are still in the time that calls for representational art because we are behind and we need to see ourselves in our spaces. And so. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it, is, it inspires the next generation and it just goes and goes. And it's it's that one or that two or that handful that are getting out there and it speaks to you know, in 10, 15, 20 years, whatever, you know, looking at that that next crop of artists that, you know, may have just been born or whatever. And they're like, oh yeah, I'm inspired by this person. And yeah. it could be a black person ver- versus, you know, what we may have encountered, you know, there I'm sure are others, but just like there are more opportunities that are out there and more people to take influence from because they look like you or have a similar background as you and their work might resonate and hit differently. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So that's kind of the end of the real questions that I have. And I think this, you know, I think we can start off with these rapid fire questions. And the first one is very apt based on what we were talking about a moment ago there. Um, All right. 
So, and, and remember with, with the rapid fire questions, uh, you know, let's not overthink them because we, we, we both are probably tend to overthink these things. And let me ruminate on this one for a second. But, um, so I'm going to start off with this one and it's just first thing that comes to mind. What I said is what I said, uh, okay. favorite color. <laughs> and when I say color, I say that with a, you, what is your favorite color? Actually both have use in it. Favorite color. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, my favorite color is blue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I had to catch myself there, not to overthink. My favorite color is blue. Okay. Uh, are you a morning person or a night person, night owl kind of situation? Um, these days, I would say I'm a morning person because I have two little ones. Who, <laughs> if otherwise, I'm going crazy. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is your current phone background? My current phone background. Yeah, or your lock, or your lock screen. Oh, let me see. Um, my current, I need to remind myself. My current background is of my children. Okay, that's a, that's a good one. Uh, what was the last movie you watched? The last movie I watched, it was called, oh my goodness, what was it called? It was a documentary on Amazon Prime. The truth in this... No, this is a podcast. Oh, oh <laughs> I have a documentary. See, yeah. I'm, speaking, I'm speaking something. I'm speaking something. <laughs> no, it was. it's a Black documentary um, that details Black art. So I'm okay. trying to remember the title of it. If I remember, I will tell you. Okay. Okay, this is the last one I have. Um, and uh, since you have two little ones, I think this will be an apt question. Um Chunky or creamy peanut butter? Which one are you going with? Chunky or creamy peanut butter? Creamy. Yeah. Every okay. day. All the okay. Time. Very, very smooth individual. It's <laughs> like, look, I got enough rough stuff in my life. I'm a black woman. I need yes. some creamy peanut butter in my life. Let's make it easy. <laughs> so that's pretty much all I got for the questions for today. So one, I want to thank you for coming onto this podcast. And two, I want to invite and encourage you to share with the fine folks, the listeners, where they can find your work, where they can check you out online, all of that good stuff. The floor is yours. Awesome. Well, I thank you so much for having me. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm just, I've had a really good time having this conversation. So where can the folks check you out online? Um, they can find me at www.jazlynsabri.com or on Instagram at Jaslyn Sabri, on LinkedIn at Jaslyn Sabri, on Patreon at Jaslyn Sabri. So if you type in at Jaslyn Sabri in Google, you will find me everywhere. <laughs> as, as they should, as they should. So for for Jaslyn Sabri, I am Rob Lee. I almost that rhymes. Uh, saying that there's art in and around your neck of the woods. You just got to look for it. Mm-hmm.